Bibles, please, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 8. And if you were not here last Sunday, we're sort of picking up where we left off. We looked at part one of a message that I'm going to conclude this study or this, uh, this particular lesson uh, today, hopefully. But I want us to look in Exodus chapter 8. Our context is this. Moses had been called by God to go to Pharaoh, the ruler of all of Egypt, where the children of Israel had been in bondage for some 400 years. They had become slaves. And it was now time for God to fulfill his promise that he had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give the land of Israel, the promised land, to the children of Israel. The only problem is they were not there. They were in Egypt. They were enslaved. They were in bondage. So God sent Moses to Pharaoh to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses was to be the instrument of God from which the children of Israel would be delivered from Egyptian bondage. Now the slaves in Egypt were very beneficial to the Egyptians. They were making the brick and the mortar uh, for the construction jobs. And the Egyptians were, were they, they were real into construction. <laughs> and uh, you can still see some of the things they built here two or 3,000 years later are still standing. Well, they had all these slaves doing all this slave labor and doing all this work. And so they were not at that time just, you know, really excited about losing all of that free labor. And so Pharaoh, he objected. I mean, he wasn't just going to let all these people go. Moses said, God has sent me to say to you, let the people of God return to the promised land, the land that God had given to them and had promised their forefathers that he would give to them. Pharaoh says, it's not going to happen. Well, you, you remember how God began to send a series of plagues. And, uh, and, and Pharaoh, you know, he began to change his attitude about that a little bit, just a little bit, because uh, the, these plagues that God had sent to the land of Egypt uh, were torturous to the people of Egypt. And you remember how God sent, the he, first thing he did was turn the water of the Nile into blood. And then he sent plagues of flies and lice and frogs, and uh, all of these different plagues ultimately culminated with the Passover of the death angel over the land of Egypt. And finally, of course, you know, Pharaoh relinquished. But at first, at first, Pharaoh, he wanted to negotiate. He wanted to negotiate with Moses. Now, I pointed out to you in our study last Sunday, which we're going to look at some more in a future study, but there, are, there is some, what we call biblical typology embedded into this story of the children of Israel. In fact, I read a passage to you from 1 Corinthians that said these things happened to the children of Israel in the land of Egypt for an example to the church. It says that in Corinthians. And, and there's some wonderful New Testament truths in modern-day application in all of these Old Testament studies that we look at. But here especially, and Egypt in Bible typology represented 
well, that represents a lost person. Living in Egypt represents living in lostness because it's a place of darkness. It's a place of slavery. It is a place of bondage. Pharaoh is a type of the devil himself. And one of the things uh, that I pointed out to you last Sunday, we're going to look at four compromises, four offers that Pharaoh, who really represents the devil to some degree in our life, that he offered to Moses because I want to tell you the devil offers you the same compromises. I want you to know that. Last Sunday we looked at the first compromise of Pharaoh. And uh, basically what Pharaoh said to Moses is um, if you want to worship your God, I, you know, if that's the whole point of this idea of leaving Egypt is so you can go worship, then I tell you what, I'll let you worship your God, but just do it right here in the land of Egypt. In other words, you go through all of your religious motions. You do all these religious things. In other words, Pharaoh was saying, you, you can do these things, but don't leave. Just stay here in Egypt. And you know, that's what the devil says to a lot of people. I want you to know, church, and ladies and gentlemen, that if you do not know Christ as your Savior, your personal Lord and Savior, Here's what the devil offers you. He offers you that same kind of compromise. He says, you know what? It's okay if you want to be religious. If you want to go to church. If you want to do good deeds. If you want to pay your taxes. If you want to be a good citizen. It's okay if you want to go to church. It's okay if you want to be religious. Just don't give your heart to Christ. Don't repent of your sins. Don't leave Egypt. In other words, don't enter into God's promised land for you through the blood of the Lamb. Don't get saved. Just be religious. And, and as a result, there's a lot of people who have, you know, they've given in to that compromise. And so today we, we have many. Uh, there, there are many who are affiliated with churches all across America who have never been born again. You look at them on the outside and they're very religious. And that's why we have whole denominations that have just done crazy things. It's because you got unregenerate, unsaved people that make up and constitute perhaps people who are religious but have never left Egypt. You know, you can always tell when a person's religious. Uh, uh, I mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's obvious there, there's some things because you see the difference between just being religious and being a Christian is Christianity is a relationship. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's more than do's and don'ts. It's a personal, intimate experience with God through, through Jesus. Uh, you know, a religious person, they will talk about an experience Oh, they'll talk about, yeah, somebody, are you a Christian? Well, yeah, I got baptized. I joined the church. I walked the aisle. I did. They'll talk about an experience. A Christian would say, yes, I know Jesus. They'll talk about a relationship. A, a religious person always needs propping up. They need activities and socials. They need to be entertained. They need pampering. They need pacifying. They always get their feelings hurt. They're real, you know, it's all about them. But a saved person who's genuinely been born again, well, they're just happy in Christ. They're just happy in Jesus. They just love him. To a religious person, church services can be tiresome and boring and monotonous. 
A guy asked his wife one time, how long has the preacher been preaching? She said, well, I think he's been preaching about 30 years. And he said, well, surely he's through by now. <laughs> but to a safe person who has a relationship with Christ, just getting around other believers and singing and hearing God's word and the fellowship that we enjoy, it's exciting to be a part of the family of God. I tell you, a religious person has something good enough to live by. But a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has something good enough to die by. Pharaoh says, be religious, just stay in Egypt. But then he offers a second compromise. I want you to see what Pharaoh said. Look in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings in hell, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. In, in, in other words, he says, um, and I'm sorry, I read verse uh, 28 of, of, of uh, chapter 9, but let me... <laughs> Let me read verse 28 of chapter 8. There's a, I've got this highlighted in my Bible because I'm going to come back to that verse, but that's, a, that's another message. So look, if you will, in verse 28 of Exodus chapter 8. Happens sometimes. You ought to get up here and do this every Sunday. <laughs> Say what, Peggy? <laughs> I totally confused her. Confused me. But look what Pharaoh said in verse 28. This is the second compromise, all right? 28 in chapter 9 is another sermon, but this is 28 in, verse, in chapter 8. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far in treat for me. In other words, Pharaoh said, you know what? I'll let you go. It's okay if you leave the land of Egypt. If that's what you just feel like you have to do, then go ahead and do it. Just don't go too far away. It's interesting how he said that. Okay, I'll let you go. And I'm thinking, big deal, you really can't stop them anyway. And by the way, if you want to get saved, if you want to give your heart to Jesus... If you've never been born again, don't, don't blame your reticence, your reluctance, your rejection on anybody but you. Because if you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus in a personal way, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, I, I want to tell you, there are not enough demons in hell or out of hell to keep you from giving your life to Jesus. The Bible says, whosoever will may come, and you can come to Christ. But when you come to Christ, here's what the devil says. He says the same thing to you that Pharaoh said to Moses. He said, okay, you can leave Egypt, you can get saved, just don't go all the way. In, in other words, just don't get too, don't get too serious uh, go, go serve God, but serve him in the wilderness. Just go a little ways. That's what Pharaoh said. Just go a little ways. Don't go far. Go out there in the wilderness. Just Listen, God doesn't want you in the wilderness. He wants you in a land flowing with milk and honey. 
God's got something special for your life, and he doesn't want you wandering in the wilderness. The devil says, if you're going, don't go too far. Don't, don't, don't get excited about Jesus. Don't get real involved in the church. Whatever you do, don't become a Baptist. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's just saying, whatever you do, if you want to get saved, just don't go too far. Don't start reading your Bible. Don't have a daily prayer time. Don't make a commitment to be in church when God's word's being taught and people are worshiping. Don't give, don't give your tithe to the church. Don't get involved in discipleship or small groups. Don't go to Sunday school. In other words, give, get saved, be, be right with, you know, get, get out of Egypt, but just don't go too far. You know, there's some people that they want to be saved because they don't want to go to hell. You know, heaven is, you know, it does, heaven has some attraction, but some people, they just don't want to go to hell. But they're really not interested in living holy lives. They're like the little girl who prayed, Lord, make me good, not too good, just good enough not to get a spanking. I mean, they want to get out of Egypt because they don't want judgment that's going to fall on Egypt. But they want to camp right outside of Egypt. Let me tell you something. That's what the devil wants. Let me tell you what God wants. He wants you to go all the way. He's got something special for each of your lives. And there ought to be something different about the life of a believer. Let me read this to you if I can find the right verse. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 6 and look if you will in verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. See there I almost read 1 Corinthians. Now, see, y'all get to see it on the screen. I, I use my Bible. But by the way, we do put it on the screen for convenience, but I always like to encourage you to use your Bibles. In verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, that I will receive you. God says here, we are to be separate. He says to his people, come out from the world and be separate. Let me tell you something, church. We are living in a world. We're living in a world where you cannot, you can't tell Whether most Christians, you, you can't tell the Israelites from the Egyptians. In other words, you can't tell the Christians from the world. Everything is getting so muddied and mingled. And the Christian community, there used to be a time where we stood for holiness, righteousness, purity, things that were right, things that were honorable, Things that were good for families, things that were good for our country, things that were good for our schools, things that were good for people. We used to stand for things like that. And then the world comes along and they intimidate us. 
And they say, well, we're in, you're intolerant and, and you're biased and you have this and that. And, 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 and so we get so cowed down trying to do everything politically correct that accommodates and pleases the world that we end up standing for nothing and you can't tell where the world begins and the church stops or where the church stops and the world begins and it's all become so muddied and mingled you can't tell the difference. A bunch of Israelites acting like Egyptians because they didn't go very far away. Camped out in the wilderness. Got just enough religion to keep us from being happy. Got just enough of the world. We, we, got just, we got just enough religion to keep us happy from being in the world. You know, we can't be happy in the world because we got we to, gotta, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins. So we can't just get real happy in the world. But we got enough world in us that we can't be happy in Jesus. It's like we got one foot in the church and one foot in the world, and that's why you have a lot of miserable Christians. You know, I, I may be talking to someone this morning who has truly, truly been saved, but you're camping in the suburbs of sin. And Jesus said, come out and be you separate. He said, I would that you were hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarm Christians are an alibi to the lost and a disgrace to grace. And the devil would do all he can to get you to come out of Egypt so long as you don't go all the way. So let's say, as a believer, and I'm trying to take this Old Testament story because I think there is this New Testament application. You say, all right, I, I really want to be right with God. I really want to... I really want my life to count for the Lord. I want to come out of Egypt. I want to leave the lost, I want to leave my condition as a lost person. And I want all that God has for me. So I'm coming out from Egypt and I'm going all the way for God. Devil's not through. He's not going to give up on you. Just like Pharaoh wasn't through. You know what Pharaoh did? He come along and offered another compromise. And the devil's always going to offer you another compromise. I want you to see what, what else Pharaoh said. He came up with another idea. He's still negotiating now. So let's look in Exodus chapter 10. And verse 8. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 8. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God, but who are they that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young, with our old, with our sons, and with our daughters, with our flocks, with our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. Now this is Pharaoh talking. I will let you go, and your, your, your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, he said, and let me just read this in King James, then I'm going to come back and explain it. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord, 
for that you did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. All right, so, so Pharaoh, he says, you know, he, he's always saying, okay, I'll let you go, and then he changes his mind, and God sends another plague, and he says, okay, I'll let you go, and he changes his mind, and God sends another plague. And finally, he's now, he, he, he's now to the point where he's saying, okay, okay, I, I've had enough. I, I'll let you go. But just out of curiosity, who all's going? In other words, Pharaoh asked Moses, who, you know, you talk about leaving Egypt, who are you talking about? Moses said, well, I'm talking about all of us. And Pharaoh starts negotiating. He says, you know, the wilderness, he says, that's not good. Uh, that's not a good place for your young ones to go. Uh, it, there's evil out there and, and there's danger. And So why don't you just leave your children here? And in Hebrew custom, where the children were, that's where the mothers were, the women. So basically, Pharaoh was saying, leave the children and women, and you, just you men, you go on. It's okay. I'll let you go. <laughs> the men can go. Here's what he's saying. The men can go, but don't take your families. You know, that's, that's, that's one of the things the devil says to us. You can go. If, you're, if you've made up your mind and you're going, well, go. Just don't take your family. Because the f devil hates family religion. And if he can keep you from being saved and if he cannot keep you from going all the way, he's going to try to get you to leave somebody back in Egypt. When Moses forsook Egypt, he took his family with him. Now, I realize that we have no control over the decisions that our children make. We can only... We, we, there, there's a certain age that we can no longer influence their decision. But I want to tell you something. The devil hates families giving their life to Christ. And I just want to share with you, don't be content being saved until you have prayed for your family, you have witnessed to your family, you have done everything you can to create a Christian, an environment where they want to give their heart to Jesus just like mom and daddy. I had no control over Bethany's decision for Christ, but I did everything I could. Before she was born, while Becky was pregnant, the day she was born, I started praying, God, bring her to a place that she will acknowledge her sin, give her life to you, follow you in believer's baptism, get involved in the church, and become a Christian. That was so important to me. Praying for my child and then trying to provide that environment. Now, I, I have known families that have done that. And, and children still, still make decisions that are contrary to their parents' wishes and desires. But I tell you what, I've, I've discovered that consistent living bears consistent results when it comes to family following Christ. Inconsistent living bears inconsistent results. 
I want our church to reach and minister. I want us to partner with you to help families come to Christ. That's why we have a children's ministry, a student ministry. There's nothing more heartbreaking to me than see somebody, you know, come and pull up in the parking lot and drop their kids off. You know, two days growth of beard, hair disheveled, a guy pulls up, kids get out, he goes home, reads the newspaper, watches football and drinks beer. God wants our families. The devil always offers this solo walk. If he can't, if he can't keep you, he'll, he'll try to keep your family there in Egypt. And there's so many enemies today against the family. The devil, listen, there's an attack on the family in America. There, there, listen, there, there are enemies to the home from movies, from music, from media, from politics that are trying to tear the home apart. I want to tell you, abortion is an enemy to the home. Homosexuality is an enemy to the home, to the family. Drunkenness, alcohol is an enemy to the family. Drug abuse, opioids and everything else, the internet, pornography, all of those things are an enemy to the family. Now if that offends you, you can come up to me after the service and apologize and I'll forgive you. But what I'm telling you is the truth. The devil hates family religion. And so Pharaoh, he knows this. And he comes to Moses and he says, well, if you got to go, I'll let you go. Just don't take your families with you. That's sort of what the devil says to us. Well, his first alternative is, don't even leave. His, that's his first compromise. Don't leave the land of Egypt. Don't give your life to God. Second compromise. If you're going to go, don't go too far. Third compromise. If you're going to go and if you're going all the way, don't take your family. Here's the fourth compromise. And... We'll close with this, but I want you to see it in Exodus chapter 10. Look, if you will, in verse 24 and 25. And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones go with you, okay? Now he said, okay, 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 I've had enough of these plagues. You go. Let your little ones go. Verse 25, and Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. But notice what Pharaoh said in verse 24. He said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Whew. Wow. Pharaoh was saying, If you're going, and if you're going all the way, and if all of you are going, then at least leave your material wealth in Egypt. Because that's what flocks and herds were to the children of Israel. 
they didn't have you know CDs, bank accounts, investments, portfolios. They didn't have annuities. They, they, their, their wealth was flocks and herds. That's, that's pretty much what they had. And he said, if you're going to go, leave your material resources, leave your substance, leave your flocks and herds right here in Egypt. And folks, I know a lot of Christians like that. They seem as though they've left Egypt. They seem as though they're fairly committed, but their material blessings, their money, their wealth are still in Egypt. And the devil knows that if God, listen, the devil knows that if God does not have your wealth, if he does not, whatever, whether it's little or whether it's big or whether it's much, whatever, if he does not have your material, if he's not God over your material resources, if he doesn't have that, he doesn't have you. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Every now and then somebody says, oh, I wish he wouldn't preach about money. Just preach the Bible. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. That's what the Bible teaches. Did you know over one half of the teachings of Jesus, the parables of Jesus had to do with stewardship with a man's relationship with his material possessions. Jesus had more to say about our responsibility as stewards of the material resources that we have. He had more to say about that than he did heaven and hell put together. If I preached, if I really preached exactly like Jesus, every other sermon would probably be about stewardship. But I do that about once every two or three years. I'm just telling you that the devil knows if he can, if you're going, it, 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 the least he can do, if you're going to leave Egypt, just leave what you have in Egypt. Moses knew, he knew intuitively that he could not separate his possessions from his God because his God owned it all. See, God's not just interested in the tithe that we give. He's interested in the other 90% as well. How are we being responsible with, with that which belongs to God? We are managers of his resources. And he wants us to use that. He has given us that to bless ourselves, to provide for ourselves, to have fun. to rec I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about are we doing everything we do under the umbrella of his lordship? This is what the Bible says in Psalm 50. And uh, let me just read this to you. Psalm 50 and verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. God says, I own it all. I'm the, I am, we our believer, as believers are just managers of his resources and he asked us to bring a tithe to represent our acknowledgement that he really owns it all. Tithing is not something we do for God. Tithing is something God does for us. Tithing is not God's way to build the church. It's God's way to build his children. God, when he teaches us to give, he's not trying to get from us. He's trying to give to us. 
And I know when there are some people who tune me out and maybe don't even want to come because they're afraid that something's going to be said. And if you've ever heard me preach, you know I don't just dwell on this, but I don't back into it either. I just pin my ears back and preach like everybody makes a million dollars and nobody ties. <laughs> I don't, but I tell you this. I have known believers who want to come out of Egypt. I've known many a church member who want to come out of Egypt, but they want to leave their cows over there. They want to leave their sheep over there. You know what Moses said to Pharaoh? Moses said to Pharaoh, it's not going to happen. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 26 says this. Please, please look, and I'm through in less than two minutes. But notice what Moses said to Pharaoh. He said this to Pharaoh. He said, our cattle shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come there. Church, do you recognize what is happening here? Here is a two-legged man standing in front of the greatest ruler of the greatest army of the greatest nation on all the earth. And he says to him, we are going. We are going all the way. We're going to take our families with us. Everything we own, everything we have is going with us and you're not going to stop us. And the only thing you will see when we leave is our tracks and a cloud of dust. Don't you wish every believer, can you imagine the impact the church, the Christian community could make on the world if every believer would say that to the devil, we're going, we're going all the way. All of us are going and everything we have is going for Jesus. Let's pray together.